Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions, where we reject all applicants with the last name Augiri. Jake, you get that legally changed. I'll see what I can do. I'm also your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is Preston Hancock, our executive pastor, or as I once gratefully thought of him, the only other geek on staff at this church of jocks. <laughs> That's an eight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, it's balanced out quite a bit since mm-hmm. I was on staff. Now we've got a nice balance of jocks and and at least artistic people, if not like out-and-out nerds. Yes. Yeah. I'd go artistic, yes. Um, but I do remember fondly um, our nights. We For a good run there, we were getting together on Friday nights yep. and, to watch Farscape yes, at my place. I remember. We didn't finish the series out. I do have the Blu-rays if you ever want to finish that okay, show. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then you, uh, as you alluded to with your Scottish accent, helped me out with some of my weird, nerdy uh, audio dramas. So um, I'm curious, since we haven't talked about like anything sci-fi or fantasy in a while, what's yes. the last sci-fi or fantasy thing that you enjoyed of any kind? Yeah, you know, I, the Avengers movies. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, yeah, that Endgame, I think that's the last. No spoilers. We're not talking spoilers. No. No, the end game has nothing to do with how it turns out. <laughs> uh, just to get that out there. Uh, yeah, no, they were just fun. It was good to see, you know, the intricacy of how they wove in a lot of the previous stories and, yeah, just created a fun, watchable movie. Yeah, I really like those too. I tend to like superhero movies that are more serious. And so I haven't connected with all the Marvel movies, mm. um, but some of the ones that, like, the Spider Man uh, Homecoming was nice, character driven, yep. even though it was funny and light. Yep. And I found that like uh, Infinity Infinity War, right? And, yeah. and then Endgame were definitely my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty uh, dark. Yeah, and death was involved. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so you are um, the executive pastor. What do you even do? That is an excellent question. Are you like like the pastor of dirty work, or are you like the uh, I'm the, the pastor who executes? Uh, yeah, are you uh, like the hitman? Basically, it's like so when I'm, Kyle I'm, says, technically, like, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Like <laughs> Kyle calls it. you up and he's like, uh, Jeff Davis is giving has been down, and uh, we've given him warnings, but his time is up. <laughs> it's time. Go, it's go time. <laughs> make it happen. Uh, yeah, I, it's my job to kind of make sure that things get done. So uh, both Kyle and I are also elders, so we sit on the elder board. So I hear all that. Kyle and I process how do we want to move forward? What do we need to do? Elders say yes, and then it's it's my job to help Kyle implement. Okay. So, so yeah, uh, overseeing the staff and kind of day-to-day just being a point person. Um if people need to know where do I go to find out that information, I usually have a lot of useless trivia in my head, and I can say talk to this person for that or that person for this. Or, okay. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, so what's the um, – I want to know first the most fun or natural part of your job, and mm. then I want the hardest or most challenging part. So the first fun or natural, like that fits your wiring or whatever, or that you just enjoy yeah. the most about your job. Well, I think I like the variety of, of what I do that fits me well so that I'm not just, it's not just one thing. I'm not just constantly sending emails. I'm not just constantly doing tasks. I think it's the people side is what I enjoy most. Okay. It's just sitting down and talking with pastors and, and people in the congregation going, hey, I have this idea. What about this? What if we did that? Here's, here's how we're doing it at Red Mountain. Could we make it better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just having those conversations. I love that. Uh, the hardest part of what I have to do, 
I think is uh, when you hear an awesome vision that you'd love to pursue, um, but it conflicts with two or three other visions you're already mm. agreeing to yeah. or that already are existing. Mm. And so you hate saying no to that, but you can't say yes to that without it impacting something else. Yeah. So that's hard to negotiate. And then just to sense, okay, spirit, is there an element of that we can keep? Mm. Well, that, but it's just a lot. That's that's kind of the more rough part. Mm. Yeah, I w- that's that's all too much to think about. I don't think I would like your job very much. <laughs> I'm glad you have it. Glad you've been doing yeah. it so faithfully. How long have you been in that position for? I've been uh, since 2006, so 13 years. My gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, you must be doing something right. I'm staying out of trouble. I'm yeah. staying out of the target zone. So, yeah. Okay. 50 bucks gets you pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to nerdy stuff while I have you here, what uh, fantasy or sci-fi property would you like to see made into a good movie or TV show? Because you can always say like, well, I'd love this, but it would be terrible. You know, so some, so yeah. a sci-fi property that is not, a, or a fantasy property, that, so like a book or something like that. Could you it enjoy. be something that's, already been done but you didn't think was done that well sure i'll take okay. it i'll take it okay uh ready player one. Oh, yeah man calling out spielberg yeah i didn't like it <laughs> I, I, I didn't like the adaptation i think it it went too much it just it deviated from the the story a little bit well which they all do you yeah. know in any kind of book or something like that ender's game would be another one okay which where it just made a bad movie and the book was so much better. So that would be two. I really heard that about uh, Ready Player One from people that had read the book, that like it just uh, really diverted in some really significant ways that they felt hurt the experience for them from the book. Yeah, it just ended up being a different story. So hmm. in the end, you know, you can appreciate it. It's just a different story. Okay. But yeah. I think I would go with, have you heard of, um, you've heard of Brent Weeks, right? The, yes. The, the Night Angel trilogy? Yes. This is a, uh, um, he's a, he's a, I, I was going to say a Christian author. He is a Christian and he's an author, but he does not write specifically for Christian audiences. Okay. He writes very dark fantasy about a world where like, this is a dark world. Um, but he's a Christian. And when I read his books, I was like, you know, there was like F-bombs and really dark stuff happening in his world. So I, you know, I was like wondering, you know, usually you're not going to hear that, that, or see that kind of material coming from a Christian, but page after page as I was reading, I was like, this guy is paralleling all kinds of stuff in the Bible. He's virtually quoting Psalms. This, this character is paralleling the life of Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in here that I'm just like, if this guy isn't a, isn't a Christian, then for some bizarre reason, he really knows his Bible and likes what he's reading in it, you know? Hmm. And uh, I got in touch with him, and I actually interviewed him years ago on my podcast, okay. like right before or just as he was really hitting it big. But since, as I mentioned earlier, I really like dark stuff, I would love to see Brent Weeks' Night Angel trilogy uh, become a movie or something like movie. that. Yeah, or a trilogy or that. Oh, oh that would be super cool. Um, speaking of things inappropriate for children, we spoke to some people who have children okay. earlier today. Uh, we spent some time talking with Mike and Tanya Baker, who have been involved in fostering and adoption for mm. a number of years, and they agreed to share some of those experiences with us. Here's that conversation now. Well, hello, Mike and uh, Tanya. I looked at Tanya and said Mike, and now I'm looking at Mike, and now there's Tanya. Okay. Hi, and welcome to both of you guys. Thanks for doing this and going out on the skinny branches with us. 
Um, have you, well, I first have to mention this, like I discovered over the last couple months that Tanya and I went to junior high and high school. Well, we went to the same one. I don't think we ever exchanged a single word in those six years, but I think it was just like a face that I'd seen enough in the halls that it kind of locked in and you guys go to a different service than us, but I just like was trying to, I was like, what, who is this person? I know them from somewhere. And we figured this out just recently. So that was very interesting for me. And now this, now this is like kind of gratifying for me. It's like, oh, now I get to hear a little bit about your story and uh, what you guys are, uh, what you've been up to. And you guys have been, we're going to talk about fostering and adopting. That's something that has been a major part of uh, your life. But I want to go back and start with uh, how long have you guys been married? Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> We've been married almost 18 years. It'll be 18 next month. Okay. Now, did he get that right, Tanya? He got that right. Okay. It's now official. <laughs> it was the one question I was prepping for. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's right. Now we're ready. <laughs> now you just have to name the ages of all your children. <laughs> Can you do that? Never mind. Oh, I'm not going to ask yeah, you that. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, in, I have two. I can't do it. reverse order. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you uh, each initially come to faith in Jesus? Was that something that happened before you were married or after or... I actually don't remember a time when I didn't believe in Jesus. I grew up in the church. My mom took me to church every Sunday. So I don't I don't even remember like a certain moment or anything. I've just always had the privilege of knowing Jesus and and just knowing that that faith. Okay. And what and was your experience, Mike? Same same for me. Oh so, yeah, okay. So we grew up we always went to non-denominational churches growing up. I think my parents were were raised Catholic, Lutheran, and so, uh, but yeah, we just, we grew up in it. And, you know, before I met, we met at church. We met at uh, one down the road here, so. Okay. At, like, the young adult service, so that's kind of where it all started, so. She likes telling that story, too, <laughs> so. Is there, why, is there some, like, interesting, juicy tidbit there? Well, because I, like, kind of scammed her phone number so I could call her and what okay so okay mm-hmm. now, now now we gotta yep. put it on the table <laughs> then he pretended that he was calling to get an RSVP for some church event and happened <laughs> to ask a... me to go to the movies and I said yes and so how did you scam the number my roommates that I had he was in at that time he was like in charge of like organizing like the young adults like events you know okay and so he's like hey why don't you why don't you call her <laughs> You know, so for the ministry, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, that's right. So that's crazy. How did that? How did that read to you? Did that read to you as like sweet or a little psychotic or creepy? It took me a couple weeks to even figure out we were dating, and um, (laughs) (laughs) now I just have a good story. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Okay, so when I mean, did you each have? separately an interest in fostering and adoption or did that come at some point after you were married or tell me kind of how your interest in that developed or came about i mean my parents they did foster care there i have four there's four of us four boys and so they did it whenever um we were younger and then my aunt she ended up doing foster care and adopting a bunch i don't i mean i i imagine for me that had some kind of impact sure but it was it was always something that we felt um led to do you know like there wasn't really a lot of uh 
negotiating or anything like that. It was just something we wanted to do. Mm. Was that the same for you, Tanya, or did he kind of introduce you to and you know introduce that potential for your life? I've just always had a heart for kids. From a young age, I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to adopt. Mm. Um, and then when we met, I think it was just mutual that we decided that that's how we were going to build our family. That's how we were going to start our family is through foster care and and just uh, trying to reach those kids mm. that needed us. Now, Preston. Yeah. You have some experience in yes. fostering and adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, just give me a rundown of that and uh, like uh, who you have fostered and adopted and okay. uh, and, and then also uh, what kind of triggered that initial thought for you. Yeah, for us, um, honestly, that was Toby. Um, okay. Not that I was against it, uh, but it wasn't on my radar as much. I was just like, hey, we'll have our own kids. We'll just do this. And she always, uh, before we were married, she wanted to adopt. That was a, a big part of her. And so at the time, I was like, well, you know, we, we moved here. And I was like, well, I'm in seminary. I'm in, you know, working full time and got seminary full time. So when I'm done with seminary, and, and then I went on like the 10-year plan to graduate <laughs> from seminary. So, uh, so she was patient. But like as we're nearing the end, two years out, hey, you know, you said that you would foster. Yep, when I graduate, it's still two years out. Hey, you know, next year when you graduate. And then by that spring, I was graduating in May. By that April, we were taking the foster care classes. So as soon as I graduated, we were, we were ready to go and we were going. So uh, we fostered uh, four children, mm-hmm. uh, two girls and two boys, one of which we adopted. Okay. Yeah, Josiah. And uh, so that was, it was great. It was, a, it was a marvelous experience. I owe her big time uh, for that. And now we both just kind of share that. And it's something we're very passionate about. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so Mike and Tanya... Um, give me the rundown of like how many natural children you guys have and how many fostered uh, or adopted kids you guys have right now. Right now we have um, our two oldest. They are both adopted, um, three biological daughters, and then um, we have one foster son. Okay. So then what, what was kind of like the, the order that your children arrived in? So Jonathan, he's 15 now, but he was just um, four weeks old when we got him. And then the very next day, we got his brother, Kyler, and he, Kyler was three months old. So Kyler's technically, our birth order's kind of screwy, but <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. technically the older one, but he was also number two. But he joined the family. Yeah. yeah. So you, know, you started- the very next day- You started got, with uh, adoption and fostering. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. were they fostering? Were you fostering at that we time? We mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. As soon as we got our license came through, they had called Tanya, like, yeah, the phone call right comes, yeah. And then, then they called her again the next day, and we went and they brought Jonathan to us. Then we went and picked up Kyler. So uh, Kyler was at another home that they thought, because they thought maybe he was substance exposed, that he was going to have some type of issues. So, okay. But it turns out he was, everything was fine. Okay, so, great. And then we had, then Tanya had three, our three girls. So... And they're and those are those are all biological. Yep. Okay. Yep. And those are twelve, ten, and five. Okay. And there was no fostering, adopting between those. It was bang, bang, boom. We we have over the last fifteen years opened and closed our license. We seem to like to take the classes over and over and do the inspections over <laughs> and over. It's so much fun. I know yeah, it's great. no work at all. Yeah. Um, so we've I think opened and closed at least three times now. Um, so we've we've fostered you know throughout a little bit. 
um, done respite care. So foster families who go on vacation, we've um, watched their uh, foster children and tried to help out in that way. And then, um, gosh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, we reopened our license and have had three placements since then. Okay. So um, you you brought up like this, there's some kind of process or some kind of like examination. that mm. ha- Walk me through some of like what the uh, logistical and practical challenges have been of uh, fostering or adopting. Well, you start off with a whole bunch of classes <laughs> that okay. you sit through. Now I think some of it's online when we... We did it. We just had to go through the classes. Is these like once a week things? Yeah. yeah. That go for about how many weeks? Um, when we did it, it was 10 weeks. Now I think it's five weeks in class, five weeks online. Okay. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, there's an inspection of your home. So you have a checklist of everything that you need to have for safety's sake. Uh, lots of interviews, lots of paperwork. Yeah, they go through and they interview you. Uh, so they'd interview me, they'd interview Toby. Then they interviewed each of our kids. Uh, oh. Because it's such a it's a it's a family impact. So you your bio kids or the kids you were considering fostering the bio kids. Okay, because they they'll ask them. So what's your dad like as a dad? Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, the heat's on. So you know, <laughs> it's a good thing fifty bucks gets you what fifty bucks gets you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they <laughs> they'll sit there and and just ask them because they they're entrusting a child to you. Sure. And so parents. Uh, sadly, some parents will say things in order to get the child yeah. uh, because there's often a subsidy involved. Yeah. And so some people, sadly, will do it for the money. So they have to interview the children and try their best to figure out, is this family a suitable family to take in the child? Wow. And, and that can be an involved process. Now, I, um, I don't want to like uh, put you on the spot with giving your answers to the questions, but I'm curious, do you remember um, what kinds of questions they're asking? Like, do you have any narcotics in the home? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, they, they might. They, I don't know if they, I don't know if they ask about that. They'll, I mean, the one thing they would ask, like, if, like, firearms, that's something they'll ask about. And they'll want to, if you do have them, where, where's all that stuff at? Okay. A lot of it's more background check. You know, it's... They want to know your financial. You got to like give them all your financial information, you know, things, make sure you have the right insurance, mm-hmm. things like that, you know. But the during the interview, with the questions that they ask you, shoot, I don't There's really There's some relational ones, like what, um, I guess, what areas do you and your husband struggle with? Um, what are your strengths as a couple? Mm. Um, what are your strengths as a family, weaknesses as a family? They'll ask the kids things like, what happens when you get in trouble? And your Mm -hmm. um, four-year-old will say, you go to jail. So that sounds really great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yes. But more questions like, it seems like they're prying. I know they're trying to get a big picture of your family and trying to figure out where foster care is going to fit in that, in your dynamics that you have. Is there something that stands out to you as far as like the practical hoops or the system type things that you have to go through is there any one or more things that stand out as like ugh, you know i really don't like that part of it i would say i don't like almost any of it (laughs) we like the children (laughs) you have to like sometimes to me you got to look at the bigger picture and like overlook all this other stuff that they're you know, because it can be frustrating, all the different, you know, having to do things to your house. Because mm-hmm. the other side of that is, you know, it's not a requirement for, in this case, parents to have that. You know, like, 
they don't ask them for their insurance. They don't ask them for their financial information. They're not asking them for any of these things. You know, they're not worried about that you have a car that can transport all of them, you know? So that's the part I think that's... The communication can be tricky too, like just getting information from uh, the caseworker, somebody who's working with you, that can be... Because they're managing huge numbers of caseloads. Okay. Uh, and they have all these forms that they have to check boxes in and make sure is going up. So sometimes you're answering the same question three or four different times for three or four different people. That can be frustrating. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. There's so many people involved in the life of these children that you have like a constant parade of people in and out of your home and making appointments for and making sure that each person's been out you know, every month or every three months, whatever they're supposed to be out. So there's a lot of like calendar work you have to do trying to get all the visits in and, and you're working with a lot of different people. So that can be challenging because everybody has their own schedules, their own method of communication and trying to keep up with all of those things can, it can get tricky, but you, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You, you end up finding the way through. Is it, would you describe it as kind of merely being at the level of nuisance and like mild uh, stress inducer or is the technical logistic side of things like a real uh, difficult trial that you, that you have to depend on what's motivating you to really push you through that? I think it depends. Like it depends on who you're working with too. What, what is the case manager like? What is the personality like? Um, for me, the system is harder to deal with than any child they could, you know, place in our home because mm. there are so many working pieces. And for the child, you're just trying to meet their needs, not the needs of 10 different people that, that are trying to keep mm. up. What do you think? I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the system. Like what level of, of difficulty is it like is... Is that uh, a major thing you have to push yourself through, or is it more just a hassle that you you work through? You stated that so much better than I did, by the way. <laughs> I've been working for five minutes. Like, <laughs> how could I phrase this? And then you might just lob me that softball. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I think the most uh, the trying thing I think is as like a foster parent, you don't have to go to the the court. Things are usually court involved, and so you don't have to go, but we we do go because we found that we get better information if we do attend. The, the court never addresses us, oh. um, but we can still be spectators. Spe so spectators, I, I'm lost. Spectators for what's going, what's being decided or worked through in the court that you're going and attending and watching. Well, so you know, like for instance, we have one little guy now that they removed at birth. So then they're, they'll schedule a court hearing right away, you know, I think within 30 days to decide, okay, what are they doing? What services do the parents need? What services do, does the child need, if any? And kind of get everything kind of, you know, working, say, okay. The goal is always to reunify the child to the parents. Mm -hmm. So they, they, the state dedicates a lot of resources to the parents to to help them to be mm. successful. Yeah. Um, and it's more of, um, you know, the delays that happen because maybe it's things that the, the state didn't do, uh, the, the things that the parents aren't doing, 
you know, like right now we have um, uh, Dominic. He's he was three days old when we got him, and now he's ten months old, hmm. and there's still no closer to kind of decide. I mean, you could say a little bit, but it's still kind of up in the air as what's going to happen. Yeah, so, so basically they, they either have a case plan that's moving towards reunification where the parents are stepping up and they're doing everything they need to do in order to provide a safe home for this child, or they, they change that to severance where they're severing parental rights and then the, the future is made for the child. And I think what you're describing is sometimes that's just a gray zone that sits there for a while hmm. and you don't, you don't know. So you're wondering, people may ask you, hey, so what's going on with your, your kiddo? And, and you just don't know. And so you're, it's just kind of a day by day, I just keep doing what I'm doing. But that can be a frustrating gray zone to live in sometimes, just not knowing. What's the, I mean, what's the longest, and I'm curious from your experience too, Preston, the, the longest uh, kind of like limbo time you've been in where you're um, wondering what's, what the fate of this child is going to be, whether that's, you know, the, the aim is to get them back with the parents or whether the aim is for you to adopt them. What's, what's the longest limbo period you've, you've kind of been in? Um, for our boys, it was two and a half years. Wow. They were, we fostered them for two and a half years. Every month the plan would change or, you know, it'd be going one way and then backtrack. And so it took two and a half years to finally get that permanency for each of them. Um, we've had our other, the longest we had another placement was nine months, um, and she ended up being reunified with her with her parents. Um, so it it really varies. I've heard people they have foster children for twelve years. Some friends of ours just adopted after a twelve year long process, um, and then other times it's six months. So hmm. it can really vary. Mm -hmm. So the longest you said nine months was the longest you had a child that you did that you did not adopt in the end. Right. Okay. All right. And on that one was a little bit easier because we knew, like the mom like loved her child and yeah. she felt like she was wronged and what you know and it had more to do with the with the father. There was some stuff going on there. So mm. like it was so she really loved her and so we knew that she was going to go back. She it was tough dealing with the mom but um and she was a sweet little sweet little girl so preston how about for you how did you have a a, lim a long limbo period we did uh what about like what you were saying tanya uh we had one that was about two years uh and just a little over and did that, that was, end in that adoption was, yeah, or that was josiah okay um and then we had uh, our first placement a, a little girl she went home, or she went to be with a family member within a few months. Okay. Um, so that would have been the shortest. And then in there, we had uh, one that was two and a half that ended up moving to another family who adopted him. And then another little girl who was like six months and a little bit. Yeah. So has, I'm not sure if I heard this already or not, has anyone at this table um, sought adoption for uh, a child that they... Um, were fostering and not been successful at uh... uh I would have, but it wasn't an option. Uh, there was a little girl that we were really bonded with, uh, but it was clear from the beginning. Her parents were, and it was right, her parents were doing everything they needed to do to get her back and mm -hmm. to create a safe home. So that, that would have been one that we would have liked to have done. But um, 
And you had her for I how long? Be, I would actually be interested in hearing you guys on this because in some sense you kind of guard your heart with those sort of thoughts and until you have an idea of where it's going. At least that's what we tend to do, Toby and I. We, we, we might express desire, oh, that'd be amazing if we could adopt, but we don't really allow ourselves to go there until we know that there's the possibility of adoption. Hmm. How, how do you guys negotiate that? Do you... Like, do you just process that together? Do you make certain decisions of, yeah, we're not going to let our hearts go this far until? What? How do you guys deal with that? I don't think we've really, it's definitely not like a discussion. We love the children, but we have either had children that we knew were going to go back because we saw the progress of the parents and the desire of the parents, or we've adopted them. Um, right now, we're kind of in that limbo. Like, we love the baby we have like like our own we love Mm. him like our own but we don't know and it is hard to know if you're supposed to guard your heart or not but i think i think that that's the biggest hang up a lot of people have with foster care is well i don't know if i can go through the heartbreak i don't know if i could do it and when we take ourselves out of it and we just think like these children have never experienced love they may have never experienced safety like we can give them that. And I think we have to have our hearts in that place. Like what we have done is possibly change the whole trajectory of their life, even in a six month time in our home, just by showing them that safety. So I don't, I don't know. No, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's something, I mean, we, we were just talking about it yesterday and it is, it's always something that people will say, well, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I'd be too attached and, they take him away. I'm like, well, my blunt answer is like, well, I didn't know it was all about you. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> you know I didn't know it was about me. But you know, I you know, I guess we'll deal with it as that as it happens. It's not going to stop us. Now, so. to some extent, that that actual desire would would mean they they'd actually make a great foster parent because that's mm. that's like you were saying, Tanya. That's what these kids need. They need to exercise the muscles of being attached to someone and bonded. Because uh, we, we, I remember asking one of our caseworkers, because child came in our home and right away started calling me dad and started calling Toby mom. Mm. And you start going, this is, is this okay? You know, mm. are we like doing damage to this kid by allowing that? And th- their answer was no. Uh, because oh. you're, you're actually allowing them to express that level of bonding. So if they can do it with someone, they can do it with someone more permanent, on wow. a more permanent basis. But if they can't, and that's what a lot of these kids face, then that they, they face a future of never being able to bond with anyone. Wow. Mm. What, um, I mean, we've already kind of started going into this territory, but what are some of the um, real emotional challenges, either in the process um, of bringing a child into your home or after the child has settled into your home? What are some of the emotional challenges you've experienced? Oh, there's a lot of emotions. <laughs> Every day is a different emotion. When a new child comes into your home, you don't know what types of behaviors. You don't know how they're going to express the feelings that they don't even know what they're feeling. Um, and so you're trying to get to know this child 
really quick mm. <laughs> and they're trying to get to know you. Um, most of our experiences with babies um, before, well, even when we had this, the baby that we currently have, we had another little girl that was three, which was totally different for us. It was very eye opening because she had her own ideas and babies mm. don't. Um, <laughs> and so we had to, you know, try to learn what was going to work for her. What's going to calm her down. Mm. What are her triggers? Um, and that can be emotionally and physically draining, not just for us, our kids felt it, it, you know, it was heavy, but at the same time, we have to remind ourselves and remind our kids who we're serving and why we're doing that. But there is a lot of emotions. I mean, just between dealing with the system, those emotions that you have a frustration or, you know, whatever you're feeling. And then you've got a child now that you're trying to like show this compassion to, and they know how to push your buttons. They all do. So, <laughs> so I think every, every moment was a little bit different as far as emotionally, you know, dealing with it. Hmm. Yeah. How about you, Mike? I don't know. There's been, there's been children that have come in our house where it's easy to, to love them. And there's been other ones where it's, really hard you know we had mm. we had one that the one tanya was saying her name was her name's lexus she just she had some a lot of issues that that weren't i don't think they ever diagnosed her you know properly as far as what was going on it was really hard to communicate with her she didn't understand you it was just mm. so you know she would have fits so it was just it was really hard on on everybody mm. So it was like one of the ones that it was, it was when she, when we were able to have transition her into a home that could cater more to her special needs. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a good thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's a real push pull of emotion, isn't it? Because, because you, you're committed to her and yet it's just, it's hard. Hmm. What, um, what comes to mind when you think about some of the uh, the support that you've experienced in fostering and adopting that's that's really been valuable to you guys? Until we came to this church, we didn't really have any sort of support other than family. Okay. But um, no outside support, nobody that said, hey, we've been there too, or, mm. you know, we're walking that walk with you. Um, when we came here, there's the foster support group that um, Preston and Toby, they lead, it is great to sit down with other people that can say things that you normally wouldn't say, but we all get it. Like we mm. understand because <laughs> we're, we're doing that. We're walking that walk. Um, but then uh, like just friends and members of the church that have done respite, like Preston took um, one of our fosters for a few days so we could take our family on vacation and just oh. gave us that time. Um, we have some other friends that are also foster families and they've taken, um, taken our little guy that we have so we could go to my sister's wedding and just those little those moments and that little bit of help or even just a meal delivered we've had been blessed by that too and it's been really great being part of this church and being able to just be with people who understand and support us was that did you guys like know about that min I didn't even know this ministry existed Preston I'm so sorry it's okay but did, did you guys um <laughs> I took personal secret <laughs> <laughs> was that something that you that that drew you to Red Mountain or you came to Red Mountain first and discovered that they had this thing going on oh I don't think it didn't draw us here okay no not at all we didn't 
Not till we were here for a little I, while. Yeah, I don't know if we started it until after you guys were here. Oh, I okay. think just from a timing point of view. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a life group that meets uh, twice a month. And uh, and it's just like Tanya was describing, it's a safe place. Sometimes we bring some scripture and we wrestle with, you know, what is what does it look like uh to deal with the emotions of these hard kids. And then, okay, how does Jesus love us? How do we step into that? Like, we in many ways can behave like the very children we're trying to care for. So how can we step into that? Um, even a lot of the kids we look after have sensory issues. And so one time we just went around the room and go, okay, what are those sensory things that drive you nuts? And mm. somebody says, touching my feet. I hate it when people touch my feet. It drives me nuts. And so, somebody else, yeah, this crinkly noise or chewing with your mouth open. Hate that. Uh, so just little ways that we can connect with our kids and with the work of Jesus, how we, how we do that. So I think we probably started that after you guys started coming. Okay. So if someone came to you, Mike, and Tanya, and um, was interested, a little, you know, hesitant, or maybe they were interested in learning more about fostering or adopting, um, what would be like the, the first thing that you would recommend that they do to learn more? Well, there's, there's numerous like agencies that you can go to that will help you get like, say, licensed. But when we started years ago, we went to like this um, orientation, and it kind of gave us a high level of, okay, this is what it's all about, this is what you have to do, you know, and that's kind of where we started. And I believe those, you could still find, you know, number of those to go to. Okay, so, that's I mean, just we, Google. Yeah. Google. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had, and we've even, we've had friends. We have one friend that they just had two kids, and then they knew we played soccer with them at uh, at Central. And so when we'd hang out with them on occasion, and they would pick our brains about foster care and they're like, you know what, we really are thinking about doing it, you know? And so they end up getting into it and they, at, at the end now they have, they've adopted, you know, uh, three. Mm. So, which we, which is kind of cool. We think so. I feel like we had like a little part in that. So what's a, you know, speaking of just kind of experiencing that moment that is really gratifying. Um, this wasn't in the list of questions, but like what comes to mind is like a moment or something that you experience through fostering and adopting where you're like, this is why it's worth it. Oh, that's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> I, every time we have a child come in our home, I think it's just like, just like a prayer, you know, like how are we going to be used to, you know, help this child or maybe this family? Like if it's reunification, you're supporting a family. Mm. Um, but I don't tell me the question again. <laughs> oh, I would have written down so I can't repeat it. No, no, okay. <laughs> no. I think it was something along the lines of just what's something, um, what's something really positive that you experience during this process that is just like, um, that's really gratifying to you to that, that comes with the process of either fostering or adopting. Well, it's cool. Like the little guy that we have now, it's neat seeing like our kids, like just like more of the girls just like love on him, you know, like mm. they just like adore him. And then even other, you know, we have other families like the Carters and all their, they have you know, they have six kids and they'll come over and they'll do the same thing to this little guy, you know, or, you know, and, and Mark and Sherry will, will do that too. So it's, it's kind of neat seeing, I guess for us, 
that, you know, at mm. least for me. So just being able to love another child as a wife, seeing your husband love somebody else's child hmm. like their own. That is something so dear in my heart. Just when I watch him interact with, with the children that aren't ours <laughs> in our home and you just hold that so so special because that is a gift being able to love somebody else's child mm -hmm. so husbands you can win points with your wives <laughs> yeah. yes. by considering this kind of ministry <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so much you guys preston did you have anything that you wanted to cover or, or? uh no the, i was just going to ask one one quick follow-up have you guys ever had uh a child where you know whether they had extreme behaviors or not but you see them make that little bit of progress and you see them use their words that little bit or you see uh can you think of a time like that i mean we see that a little bit with like our older ones there's some you know things i think that they've had to overcome you know that a normal child wouldn't have to so you know there's also times where it's you know it can be it can be frustrating you know but we we try to like remind ourselves that, um, I can't think of the right words, but not to give up mm -hmm. really, you know, and so sometimes we want to throw our hands up, but, hmm. um, but you love them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for coming and just sharing some of your experience. Hopefully this has been helpful to someone who doesn't really know anything about this kind of life because that really is a, it really is a life that you're taking on as opposed to different kinds of ministries that people could be involved in. This is really uh, a whole life that you're taking on. So I appreciate you guys coming and sharing a little slice of, of your life with Can us. Can I speak a little to like the spiritual side of all of the foster care yeah, idea? Please. Yeah, Just for me, I think... We've all been called, it's in the word, we've been called to to help those that need help. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people are like maybe sitting at home thinking that maybe this is something they want to do. And I just really wanna just encourage people to like, for me, I pray like, oh God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Mm. And then you sit and you think about that. And if you are sitting there and you pray that prayer and you sit and you think, about these kids that have no home, are not being shown love, are not being cared for, and your heart breaks, that's your calling to be able to do this. Like when you feel that heart break, some people's heart breaks for children, you know, in another country or um, groups of people who have never heard the gospel in another country and they feel their heart break over that. That's how we feel when we think of foster, you know, the foster care. Um, ministry, if you want to consider that. And so I'd encourage people to to pray that and listen to what their heart says. And if your heart is breaking over these children, there's so many and such a need for foster homes, You that might be, you know, the Spirit leading you to maybe make a, a step in faith and just trust God to walk with you through that journey. Cool. Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you shared that. Thank you both, really, for Again, coming out in the skinny branches and doing this weird <laughs> podcasting thing. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, no, thanks. Well, that was a cool conversation. It, I, it was a topic I didn't anticipate necessarily you know, that would come up on the podcast, but I'm really glad that we uh, talked with Mike and Tanya. What was mm. something that stood out to you, Preston, from our conversation? I think uh, for me, what 
what Mike and Tanya both described, I, I kind of follow, followed up and described it as the push-pull of emotion. That Because um, I've watched Mike and Tanya uh, over the years, and they've, they've obviously fostered longer than I've even known them. But this, this real sense of embracing the hard, uh, of dealing with the children's behaviors who, who are coming from, perhaps they were physically abused, perhaps they were just neglected, and so they crave all kinds of attention, or they're just trying to make sure that they're okay. You, you deal with those behaviors, but there's this real genuine love and, and uh, appreciation for these kids. And when you talk about the kids that they've fostered, a smile comes across their faces, even even the ones that were hard. There's there's a, a genuine love and affection, and I, you know, you think about uh, the sacrificial love of Jesus. That no matter how we behave towards Him, there is this real sense where He is constant, and He doesn't uh, He doesn't cover over in the sense of. Uh, negating, oh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, no, there's a... He looks full in the face of who we are and what we've done, and he loves us. And I've seen Mike and Tanya do that with these kids, that there is a sense in which you can name the hard. This is difficult. These behaviors are hard. And yet, at the same time, uh, I have seen them and, and other foster families just love these kids to the point where they're passionate about caring for these kids. And and these kids need it. There must be an an added uh, appreciation for the character of God when you are involved in fostering and adopting, because mm. we are, as uh, Gentile believers, adopted into yes. the family of God. And you know, I've already just becoming a parent. I've you know gotten some insight into you know some things about the the nature of God's character that I don't think I would have gotten if I if I hadn't been a father you know? mm. but I can only imagine the added insight that must come from just experiencing what someone experiences when they're fostering and adopting I really appreciated what Tanya brought up at the very end um, in talking about how we are you know we are all called to to do something. Um, scripture uh, indicates that the church is meant to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're all called to do something, but she you know offered some uh, thoughts on how we can sort through what our individual role um, could or should be mm-hmm. as we consider that calling on all of us. Yeah. So I was really glad that she added that at the end. Um, speaking of children... One place you can find a bunch of them is at water parks. The poll segment. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. The poll at uh, rmcchurch.org slash podcast. Question was, which Arizona water park is better, Big Surf or Sunsplash? Sunsplash was the winner. 60% preferred Sunsplash, while only 40% preferred Big Surf. Preston, what say you? (laughs) Well, I can speak from a position of total ignorance. I've never been to either. Really? Really. Yeah, it's one of those things that's been in the backyard, so you never visit those. You always travel and go see the other things. Yep. Uh, but I like the name Big Surf better, so I'm going to go with that, oh, okay. just because it seems like it should be better. Just going with the... With, with, the, with purely marketing. Yeah. I I'm mean, going like, to be what, a sucker for marketing right what, there. How can a sun really splash you anyway? I know. Yeah. I, I get splashed with the sun. I want to get wet. Yeah. Give me Big Surf. Personally, I prefer um, the one without mucus and invisible fecal particles in the water. 
Um, so till then, boys, I'm just going to turn on the sprinkler for you, okay? There you so go. So they get that sorted out. All right, that's about it. Another one in the can. Um, Jake and Dave did a great job last month, by the way. They killed it on the podcast, which is nice. really uh, a violent expression. They um, just beat it with ping pong paddles. They dominated. Until it stopped moving, and then they buried it in the dirt parking lot out and so you watch for that mound next sunday morning the little mound in the dirt parking lot and that's, that's last month's episode so devastating was their brilliance preston and i i mean we just we just do our best yes but, basically we just get along yeah yeah we get by <laughs> all right that's it for this episode of living stones you can follow red mountain community church at my red mtn on instagram twitter and facebook you can also go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the next show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with... Talk, did I say tucking? That'd be weird if we tuck we him in. in. Yes, I think there's not going to be any you know, sleeping in here. Yes, yeah. okay. <laughs> We're going to be talking with uh, Chuck Broad, who's going to share about a lifetime serving God both locally and overseas. You can go to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Chuck, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I am Peter Franson. I am Preston Hancock. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you on Sunday. Welcome. No. Hello. That's, That's right. Thank you. <laughs> you. You got it, man. That's where you need the shock mic, right, right there. <laughs>